You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com with the number of makes and models that they have all in this country and the ever-increasing different amount of vehicles. Sometimes it's tough to go to the big box stores and be able to get what you want when you want it. You have to order it. It's going to take weeks and months because it's back ordered because Honestly, the catalog that they have at these big box stores just doesn't even compare to what rockauto.com has. But luckily for you, they have it all. They have engine control models, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And it's also a very unique catalog and remarkably easy to navigate through. Best of all, the rockauto.com prices are already reliably low. And it's the same for professionals as well as do-it-yourselfers. So go check it out at rockauto.com and see all the parts they have available for your car or truck. And be sure to write Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the car parts you'll ever need, rockauto.com. You know, folks, it's Arkansas-Texas A&M week, and it's fun because I enjoy this game in principle because there's a lot of history between these two programs. There's a lot of uh, great games between these two programs, especially here of recent memory. <clears throat> but the thing is, is Arkansas has not been one of those teams that has ended up being on the right side of these games, even though they've had the opportunity to do so. And honestly, they should have done it multiple different times. They have yet to really close it out. And maybe, just maybe, it might be this week. But it's funny because this game is going to be held in College Station. And it just came out today that uh, next year, the game was supposed to be in Fable and return trip. But Arkansas actually said, no, 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 we want to go back to Jerry World which we all know why they're doing that, because Jerry Jones, let's be honest. It's kind of a bummer, but still, uh, it's going to be a great game down there no matter what. But the point is is that this game and this matchup is is one that I hope and I wish so many times and so for so many different reasons that Arkansas and A&M played each other at the end of the year. Like If you want a rivalry game, if you want to have a rival in this conference, Texas A&M is it. Now, Texas A&M, they look at LSU and they say, oh, because there are battlegrounds for recruits and all that, baloney. <clears throat> baloney. LSU's never going to look at A&M like a true rival, at least not in the way that they look at LSU or as, as Alabama or even Ole Miss or Mississippi State or any of those. Texas A&M is just there because they're there. And I know that they're never going to change things, and I'm not saying the SEC has any reason to change it from being uh, Arkansas and Missouri and LSU and A&M and switching that up. But I'm just telling you, this is a legit reason to have a rivalry game. And I wish, and I just wish they would actually make it happen and make it work to where these two teams faced each other at the end of the season. Because when I ask Razorback fans, you know, which team do you want to beat the most? You know, some people say Auburn, some people say Ole Miss, but year in and year out, it's normally Texas A&M. Because you know the history, you know that these two programs are, are pretty even when it comes to a lot of the players they recruit and all of that. But for whatever reason, you just haven't been able to get over that hump since they've joined the SEC. There's no shame in losing to Bama every year since 2006, but there's a lot of shame to losing to A&M every year since 2011. But I think that this game should be the final year. This is the game that you want to have a rivalry in, and it makes the most sense. I would like to see it happen. And also, the thing about it is that Arkansas and Texas A&M 
They find ways to make the games interesting because they're two teams that kind of had their own ups and downs in different regards. Arkansas's downs have been much lower than A&M's, but they're just two programs that are still trying to find their way in the SEC. And they're two programs that culturally are very different. I mean, everyone's different from A&M. But if it was up to me, these two teams would face every year the day after Thanksgiving and do a home-and-home. Or even if you wanted to do, like, the day after Thanksgiving in Jerry World. If you wanted to do that, I'd be fine, too. But these two teams, they don't like each other. They also think they're above each other, too, which is really funny. Like, A&M thinks they're above Arkansas, and Arkansas thinks they're above A&M. But in reality, they're pretty much the same. And I know everyone's going to bring up, well, Arkansas hasn't won in all this time since joining the SEC. How can you say that they're right there? Trust me, folks, they're right there. Even though the wins haven't come along with it, they're right there. Arkansas has been in every game, every single one, and in most cases should have won, but they didn't for whatever reason. But the thing is, is it's going to be a great game and a great matchup. I can't wait to watch it. And to talk more about it is a guy that knows his stuff when it comes to Texas A&M. So let's go ahead and go to the phone lines and welcome in Billy Lucci of TexAgs.com to talk more about this matchup. Billy, appreciate you joining us this afternoon, man. How you doing? Tom, doing great. Just uh, ready for another wild one between Aggies and Hogs, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it always is between these two teams. But I wanted to start with something that I know you saw that just came across the timeline from Ross Bjork, the AD of Texas A&M, coming out and saying that next year they will not be doing a return trip to Fayetteville for this game. They're actually going to be going back to AT&T Stadium. What do you make of that? Do you have any more information on that? Uh, just what's the story and the situation there? No, I, I don't. I don't think that story's completely written just yet. I, I could certainly see the the part I believe is more the part that I think might be more believable is going straight back to to AT and T Stadium next year, which obviously the people in Arkansas would not be fans of, nor would the A and M people had you know where the roles reversed. I remember A and M having to go back to back. To Ole Miss when they first joined the SEC and Aggies were really pissed about that. Luckily, they had Johnny Manziel and had two last-minute wins. And I remember, obviously, when A&M first joined the SEC, which was the John L. Smith year and the uh, first year under Bielema, where A&M did the back-to-back, uh, Kyle Field and, and making the road trip to Arkansas. So, it's been a weird, there's been some weird changes in, in the rivalry you know, with the with the one off, and I guess this is not necessarily this is a truly a one off. It sounds like, but I'll be honest, John. I'm going to be surprised. Quite frankly, I'll be surprised if they play this game up there through 2024. And I know it's contract, and I know Jerry, and I'm just saying, four more years, three more years of this after this one, or four more years after this one. I, I don't know if that if that's going to if they're going to get to the finish line on that one personally. How did that Because I know I know tell me if I'm wrong here. I feel like neither side wants to continue doing that. Uh well Billy, I'll say this that I feel like between the two Razorback fans probably enjoy it more just because mm-hmm. going down to Dallas and going to Jerry World and going to Texas and there's a lot of students from the Dallas area that go up there. I think they enjoy it more, but I also think like it's probably ran its course. Like it's gone on long enough yeah. to where I think both program because I feel like Texas A&M fans have hated that game ever since it started uh but uh, yeah. I think I think it's just I'm I'm kind of with you I think it's just kind of time 
that both fan bases say, you know what, let's just go back to playing home and homes like everybody else. And I'll say this, it could have been a lot more appealing. I mean, let's be honest, uh, A&M was not very good the first three years in that building, and since the Aggies have joined the SEC, Arkansas hasn't been very good. I mean, there's been a couple of exceptions where maybe Arkansas is in that 5-7 five to five and seven to 7-5 seven and five range, is so, and so is A&M. But it felt like early on in the year, at least, A&M was always coming in there ranked pretty highly. Arkansas would have had a, a bad early season loss. It just never, you know, the, again, the first three years, Arkansas was really good under Petrino, and then Mallet was there. And it, it was just, it never, when has that game ever had like a significant amount of, of buildup and draw outside of the two fan bases? So that's just kind of been unfortunate timing. Or maybe we'd be having a different conversation about this thing. How did that information come out? Did he just relay it on, or was he asked about it? I don't. I, don't, I wasn't listening. It's like a town hall thing that was produced from inside. You know, it's like Ross's. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's monthly uh, or every couple weeks. Just kind of a chance for the athletic director to kind of get out there and get keep everyone up with what's going on in Aggieland and around AM athletics. And so that was that was an in-house uh, piece of information that got out. We'll continue our discussion with Billy Lucci of TexAgs.com here in just a second. But, folks, everything these days is just so much go, go, go. I mean, there's so much things going on. I can't even keep it up straight. I don't even know what day of the week it is because I am always on the go, especially during this time of year. can't imagine what it is for all of you people out there that have kids to go along with the holiday seasons and trying to get your Halloween costumes ready and all that fun stuff. But sometimes you just need to hit the reset button. Just just chill. Throw it in neutral and hang out. That's when you reach for Coors Light because it's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. That's what you need. They have the mountain cold refreshment, and it's a cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. So it's literally made to chill, as they say. It's, it's always going to be cold, and it's the best beer to drink when cold. And whether you're watching any sport, football, with basketball coming up, Major League, World Series going on, whatever it is, it is the official beer for watching any sport, just to drink beer, which we all love to do. So when you get a chance to just hit that reset button, make it happen with Coors Light. It's the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit the reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. I guess so. So we'll see how that plays out and see what the information holds. But, Billy, uh, just looking at the, this game upcoming this Saturday, though, uh, the game being in College Station, it's an interesting one. Both teams coming off bye weeks. We know Texas A&M, uh, they really look at they take a step forward. And we all know that Arkansas has really got to turn it around. So what do you make of this matchup? And from the Texas A&M perspective, what do you make of the Razorbacks so far and, in, and them heading into College Station for this game? Well, I think A&M fans are expecting this to be a, a, a four-quarter fight for the most part. Um, I think they understand that this is, this is a much better Arkansas team than the, certainly the last three years or so. And even, you know, I think a couple of those Bielema teams were underrated, like how dangerous they were. They, I, I think that style didn't really sustain every single week. Those were some, those were some like, solid, I mean, what they did to Texas in the bowl game and, 
know, but the last couple of years, it's been a bad Arkansas team that's taken A&M to the final possession. So I think Aggie fans and, and certainly the Aggie players like Kellen Mond, who's and some of the veterans that have been through this battle two, three times already, they know they didn't need Arkansas to have looked the way they have had to take this game seriously and understand what was coming. But you watch them on tape, and man, I here's the biggest thing about Arkansas right now to me, and and I don't know near as much about them as as y'all do, but I've watched all four of their games. Uh, I've watched all the games in their entirety, actually. And uh, here's the thing about them: I, Barry Odom, first of all, has done an incredible job. You know, you always hear coaches talk about, well, we gave up you know, 200 yards rushing, but it was really just, you know, four plays where we had bad run fits. and da, da, da. It's always the run fit or the players, you know, you got to execute. Well, every defense is supposed to work, but it's the coordinators that can get their players or, or, or either, you know, get it on a level where the players can execute it and where the guys are smart football players that understand the system. And that's clearly what Odom's been able to do on defense, they're executing almost flawlessly what he's wanting them to do. So that's been really impressive to me. And then on, uh, in terms of just the team, like Sam Pittman, uh, those guys really believe, and I know they should be, I know they should be three and one with only a loss to Georgia. They let it halftime, but, uh, it, they just, they just believe and buy in and they believe they're going to make a play. And I saw him down. Was it, was it 17, nothing at the time to Auburn mm-hmm. and they just hung in there, came back, should have won that game. So I've been really impressed for a guy that's never been a head coach before. I'll be the first one to say I completely scratched my head on the hire, but I also kind of got it because when you miss it, you know, when you miss it, it's real easy to try to go and, and make that big splash higher. So I can give Arkansas a lot of credit for saying, no, this is the fit. Now, with Jimbo Fisher, you know, everybody makes a big deal of the contract length and the salary and this and that. They went out and hired a national championship winning head coach. But here's the thing about Jimbo Fisher. He's the fit at A&M, too. And I think they've got a perfect fit there, just like you guys do in basketball, just like A&M does with Buzz Williams in basketball. It's all about that. And I think that's more important than anything. And Sam Pittman is a terrific fit for Arkansas right now. Well, you just mentioned Jimbo Fisher. Uh, What has been his signature win so far? Would it be the Florida game from this year, or was there a signature win prior to this season? Well, here's the thing. This is – I was so, and you guys get it. You cover one team, and and we we talk about all the SEC, and we we know college football nationally. But you cover one team, so there's a narrative out there around the country that a lot of times you guys are going to know a hell of a lot better about Arkansas than people around the country do. Same with me and A and M. It was so annoying to listen to people around the SEC and around the country. Uh, start piling on Jimbo as early as year two when he's losing the top five teams. Jimbo Fisher's record against teams not ranked one and two since arriving in A&M. In other words, if they're not carrying, if they're not the number one team in the country or number two, he's 21 and four in two years in 25 games. Uh, and against top 10 teams outside of the top two, he's two and two, which is 
perfectly respectable. I would say the biggest win, though, is Florida. I think uh, because of just, I mean, a narrative is a narrative. You can't just sit there and fight that at every turn. So you have to just win the games and defeat those things in recruiting. And to me, it was time. Like last year in year two with a very young team, A&M was not ready to go knock off a, a, a national title contender. LSU, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, they weren't up for that. Uh, this year, I didn't think Florida was truly the fourth best team in the country. I thought they were a top ten team. And my theory is in year three under Fisher with the way they're recruiting and, and the resources, they should be able to beat a top 10 team on their home field. And that's exactly what they did. It was a great game. It was a big win. I would say that one, but, you know, he knocked off Kentucky at home when they finished in the top 10, but it's Kentucky. It's not a blue blood in football anyway. And then they, uh, the, the other big one was the seven overtime win at home against LSU. But I think this one, this one tops it, guys, because they needed it at that time, but also what it, what it could mean. It's not the end of the year like the LSU one. It was something that they could truly build on, and that's why I thought not going up and, and, and having a big letdown in Starkville the week after uh, was important. Because for as much trouble as Arkansas has had with A&M over the years, Mississippi State and Mike Leach are two things that have been uh, really problematic for Texas A&M since joining the SEC. Not necessarily Mississippi State, but Starkville and Mike Leach dating back to his days at Tech. So I thought that was significant to get to the bye uh, without a letdown. We'll continue our discussion with Billy Lucci of TexAgs.com here in just a second, but first this. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. You know, Billy, you brought up the Jimbo Fisher angle. Do you think that the reason people may be kind of outside of A&M and really harping on him and all that is similar to the reason why so many people jumped on Michigan and Jim Harbaugh because they hire a guy and they pay him just an insurmountable amount of money and then therefore it's kind of like they're the easy target? Do you think that there's a comparison there and that's why people were so uh, really hard on Jimbo and A&M, especially in the early going? Yeah, I think so. I think the big difference, though, is – you know, I've I've been around Jimbo now for three years, and I, I I know people that have known him forever. And what they said about him before he got here, and what he's turned out to be, the difference is Jimbo hasn't been just a smug jerk to the media or to people at A and M. Not even, in fact, actually the complete opposite of that. So that part, and whereas Harbaugh has. And uh, Jim, Jimbo's done nothing but, you know, give credit to the opponent and not run up the score at the end against Mississippi State last weekend from the one-yard line like you saw today due to Nebraska. He's done all of those things where it's like, for you combine that and him being a national champ, you'd think that, he, you know, he'd get a little more benefit of the doubt. But it's just like today's media, especially these national college football guys, and look, if you're one of the ones I like, I'm not talking about you. But some of them have a real problem with successful people. And I don't know what that is, but they, they live to take down successful people and see successful people fall, fail in any profession, even in their own industry. They love that. And to me, and I'm going on a rant here, but whatever, right? It, <laughs> it, it is 
the fact that they paid him 7.5, and because so many of them said there's no way in hell Jimbo Fisher would leave Florida State for A&M, and they actually laughed about it, and and they they were proven wrong, and they're always going to have a problem with that, and they want and they want to see and they want to see, you know, they want to see the 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 reach fail, and I think that's crazy because whether it's Arkansas hiring Sam Pittman. Well, people are going to want to see that fail to say, see, what a silly thing to do to hire a guy with no head coaching experience. What the hell did they think was going to happen? And I think they're doing that with Jimbo Fisher, where they want to say, see, they thought, you know, what? how dare A&M go and, and take a head coach away from a football power, which, by the way, Florida State's not, and there's a million reasons why they're not, and it's a terribly run uh, program right now, and you're seeing that, but... Yeah, that, I think they just there's this this thing where they want to see the dang thing fail. And the good news for y'all over there in Arkansas is <laughs> it certainly feels like everyone wants to see Pittman succeed. So you won't have to deal with that, which I I do too, with the exception of this Saturday, because man, he's he's been a fun story and it's fun to watch. And I again, I've talked so many people that know him that say you, you won't find a better guy. So what's been impressive about A&M so far this season? And then uh, where are some places that they, you know, some flaws that they have that you like to see them do better? I think that some of the strengths are, that, first of all, this team is really good at the line of scrimmage. They, they can run the football and stop the run. And, and, that, and that, that held true against, against Alabama. It held true against Florida. Um, I was a little worried about Mississippi State spreading you out and then, you know, come taking advantage of A&M being more bigger, powerful type guys. But it held up against them. They, they, can, they can control the line of scrimmage. They've given up one sack in four games, and they, and they run the football very well uh, conventionally. They haven't had to run Kellen yet, and they can do that too. At some point along the way, they'll, they'll end up doing that. But they can run the ball, stop the run, and then uh, I think they've got some real playmakers on offense. Anaya Smith, who kind of had his breakout game coming out party anyway against Arkansas last year in that game. But Anaya Smith and Jalen Widemeyer are legit playmakers. Isaiah Spillers emerged as one of the top uh, running backs in the SEC. And, and uh, they've got some receivers that, I don't know, I, I'm really impressed with Arkansas's receivers too. So this is kind of an up-and-coming receiver core. But between Smith, Spiller, and Widemeyer and, and Mon when he's on, they've got some real weapons there that in the run, pass and run game. And then defensively, I think my concern for this team is, is they're still growing uh, as a passing game. You know, they, they had a great game against against Florida, and then and they showed some signs against Bama, and then it looked like they were out of sync after losing Caleb Chapman against Mississippi State. But my biggest concern is the back end of the secondary. You know, they've given up some home run balls. And when I watch Arkansas, I think that Felipe can really get you over the top with those deep balls and soaking those receivers. Uh, That's a matchup in that game that you're like, okay, A&M better, they better, you know, tighten things up in terms of giving up big pass plays. And the flip side of that is they hadn't done a great job of getting pressure on the quarterback which I think if you pressure Felipe, stop the run and pressure him, Arkansas will have a long day offensively. If he has time to stand back there, 
then you can exploit that matchup in the A&M secondary, and I think then Arkansas uh, can have a successful day on offense. So the Aggies come off a game where they had six sacks, and I do, I do like the A&M D-line against the Arkansas O-line, but I don't know about on the pass rush, and I think that could be the tipping point. Can they pressure Franks or can they not? All right, Billy, before we let you get out of here, we just got about a minute. I got to ask you this because it is kind of funny uh, to see, but everyone's been making comments about Texas A&M and their home stadium and this whole 25% capacity. Some people may not find that very believable. You've been there. You've been seeing it. Uh, do you feel like the, the Aggies are making sure that there are only 25% capacity <laughs> there uh, in College Station for these games? <laughs> yeah, I really do. And I know Dan Mullen had a big – I, he didn't sound like he had an issue with it. He sounded like he was just pissed that they couldn't do it themselves. And, uh, <laughs> but, no, I look, I sat across. Normally I'm on the sideline, uh, but this year, you know, things have changed with all that, so I'm not in their testing bubble. So I sat in a suite and uh, across from the student side, and I saw it at the beginning of the game, and I saw it as the game went on, and everybody just kind of, you know, you could see it just got kind of, Still and still as the game went on behind there, behind the, in those two decks behind Florida. But that's a hundred, that's a hundred and two thousand seat stadium. And it's not an 80,000 seat or 75, that's a hundred and two thousand. So when you start packing the overwhelming majority of people in the bottom two decks, and especially when they start all going into like just right behind one bench, because I kept looking down because I was thinking the same thing. So I kept looking over the suite, looking down at the stands under me, and they they were very sparse out. And then in those big giant, you guys have been here, those big giant end zones were completely empty. So I don't think they're skimming. I mean, I don't know what what is the number they're saying, 24,000? I'd be shocked, shocked if there was more than 30,000 in that stadium. Yeah, it makes sense to me, and I think that you know A&M is is doing a good job. But like I said, perception's what everyone wants to look at, and that's – uh, what the perception's been at the stadium, and but. I think it's funny. I, I think it's funny because it would because I I said the same thing while there. I was like, damn, I I'm gonna get the text like, man, it's loud, and it was loud in there. It really was. There's no question. I was shocked by how loud twenty five thousand could be. So, and you look over there, and it makes you wonder. But when you really look around the whole stadium, you realize how empty and cavernous uh, portions, or not portions, like the majority of that place is. Well, Billy, we really appreciate you hopping on with us, man. Have some fun this weekend. It should be a great game, hopefully, between these two teams. And I hope we'll catch up with you later down the road. All right, my man? All right, guys. Always fun talking to you. Well, appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We will keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.